There, the nights were always green. He had filled the garden with lamps of wax paper, some on poles, some hanging from the boughs of trees. Inside each one was a candle. The manservant trimmed, replaced, lit them at sunset, going up and down the narrow paths, between the palms and the bamboos, the huge rhododendrons and cunabayas. As light faded from the sky, instead the garden filled with it, as if it had sucked the light down, the reason for night. And in the darkness, as the crickets remorselessly scratched, the garden pulsed green as jade. A great moth, with the wingspan of a sparrow, fluttered through the garden, trying to immolate itself in a lamp, any lamp. The aperture in these lamps is too small for the big moths to penetrate, he said with satisfaction. He liked that, cheating a moth of its suicide. In the veranda, the single oil lamp made his face very yellow. He was old, about seventy or older, carved with wrinkles, a life's work. His name was Lono Tesmane. You're cruel, I remarked. Why? Because I won't let the moth kill itself? Yes, Francis, that's probably true. But it was more than that. The carving of his face showed his cruelty. It was cruelty, his seventy or more years of cruel jeers and patronizing smiles and frowns that had formed its present shape. I thought briefly what would mine show if I lived so long. Indolence, perhaps? Indecision? But he said suddenly, Laytel says the enemy are almost here. Tomorrow, the next day. Laytel was the manservant. He heard things when he went shopping in the market for rice, roots, meat and fruit, and other staples of Lono's house. What will you do? I asked. Nothing. What can I do? Get away, surely you could. You mean my machine? But where would I go? The coast, I suggested. He did not reply. We were silent, then he said, I take it you have no plans to go yourself? I don't know yet. I'm supposed to stay. I promised I would. That is, as long as you do. But when it comes to the point, I don't know. As a woman, you're in more danger. At the worst, they'll only kill me. I mean, even if they torture me, I haven't much stamina. Soon over. But you're young. Forty, I said idly. Forty-one next month. Young enough, he said. And we've heard the stories of what they do with females. Alien females. Yes. I'll run away then. Then you should leave tonight? His face was beaky and the cruel lines sharpened. As with the moth, he didn't like to let me have my death. No, that isn't necessary. Do you want the machine? He asked abruptly. Was this sinister, this offer? I wouldn't be able to drive it. Laytel could show you. I'm not very good with new mechanical things. It would get you to the coast. That's where the airlift will be if there is one. I'd rather not. Reluctantly, I added, thank you. He raised the crystal bottle and poured another piqua for himself and next for me. 
Cheers, said Lono. We drank, and somewhere at the garden's end, where the cultivated wilderness dropped down in stony levels to the thin surface waters and the glutinous mud trees of the swamp, a gauricula gave its long, hoarse cry. Out hunting, he said. When the enemy come in, things will be easier for it. They lose their skills, you know, he added to me. Creatures, when there are wars. A buffet's laid on for them of the dead. They get lazy, but then I've heard the enemy shoot scavengers. When I was on the outer stair going up to the roof, I looked down and glimpsed the gauricula at the garden's end, its long pale body half-lamplit and freckled by shadows, was nosing in Lono's rubbish tip. Presently it pulled out a curious thing that looked like a paper-bound book. Either Lono or Laytel or some eccentric neighbor must have flung it there. With this in its jaws, the gauricula loped away, its eyes gleaming. It appeared mindless, ugly and beautiful at the same moment.